Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. So, what's up, everybody? Hope everyone's been doing well. I know it's been uh, about two weeks since you guys have heard from me, and I contemplated on whether or not putting out this episode today or tomorrow, just because of how late I'm going to be posting it. Um, I wanted to use this episode pretty much as an update, just to let you guys know what all's been going on in my personal life and why it's been, I've been taking such a hiatus from posting content to the podcast and all of that kind of stuff. Um, some of it is good news. Some of it is bad news, but I can finally, uh, finally openly discuss some of it and all of that without having to worry about anybody, you know, I don't know who all listens to this podcast. So I didn't, I didn't want to drop anything in. It's like, really? I, I find out by listening to your podcast? Like, that that's how I found out this information? So, you know, I've stayed quiet about it and everything, but now I can I can officially talk about some of it. Now, I'm going to save the good news uh, probably towards the end, just so I can end things on a, a higher note and all of that. But uh, first and foremost, what I'm going to, going to discuss is that last weekend... I had every intention of posting <clears throat> uh, my official review of Shin Kamen Rider. Um, that obviously did not happen because, you know, you guys knew that I had an issue trying to be able to watch Shin Kamen Rider. Uh, it was available on Prime Video, but for some reason there was something wrong with my internet and I was unable to stream it. I don't I don't know what the deal was. Um, like... It, it, it wasn't my router because I tried like restarting the router numerous times and all that kind of stuff. And some things connected to the internet and then other things would not. For example, my PlayStation 4 would not connect to the internet here at the house. But it would connect to my mobile hotspot to where I could stream things like on Prime Video through like on my PS4 through my mobile hotspot. Like that worked. But then my mobile hotspot wasn't super powerful, so anything I would try to stream, it would it would buffer a lot and everything. So I decided, no, I'm I'm gonna wait until until this thing is fixed. But Prime the Prime Video app would not connect to the internet at all. If you went to anything, like the home page would come up, but if you clicked on anything anything to try and watch anything, it would just have that little buffering uh, circular thing in the center. And it would go no further than that, and it would stay there for about two minutes or so. And then it would be like, something is wrong, error code, da -da 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 -da, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'd look it up and be like, okay, let's try some troubleshooting, and I would try it. Tried everything that I possibly could, could not get the app to working, uh, to work. And so, not only would Prime Video mess up, but it was able to connect to my PS4 through my mobile hotspot on my phone, uh, Disney Plus was messed up, and it wouldn't connect, like, at all, even to my mobile hotspot. Like, I, I would try to open up the app, and it's like something is wrong. But, so I had those issues, but then I could turn around and just get on my regular TV, no mobile hotspot, no anything, just connected to uh, the internet through my router, and I could watch YouTube all day long. So I, I, I <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. And Hulu, um worked for the most part like sometimes like the quality would be really good and then sometimes the quality would get really really fuzzy 
and it would buffer a whole lot. Um, I had no issues with ESPN. I had no issues with HBO Max. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know what the deal was, but uh, last weekend it was like last Friday or something like that, or the Friday before last. I opened up Prime Video and everything worked fine. And so I watched Shin Kamen Rider and I was going to do a review of it the following day. And uh, just to go ahead and give you guys a hint, I'm, I'm probably going to do the the review tomorrow. So you guys would be getting or going to be getting a back to back episode this week because uh, I'll be posting one tomorrow morning um, as long as, you know, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into it. There's, there's a chance I may not be able to, it concerns work and I'll, I'll get into that later on. But anywho, I was, I watched the film. I will let you guys know, I very much enjoyed the film. It was far superior to Shin Ultraman, in my opinion. And it's right underneath Shin Godzilla for me. You guys know that I very much enjoyed Shin Godzilla. So I've got very, very, very few negative things to say about Shin Kamen Rider. I very much enjoyed it. If you haven't watched it yet, like I said, it is uh, available on Prime Video. So you can get on the Prime Video app and stream it and watch it. They only have the subtitled version. So it is in its original Japanese language with English subtitles. They do not have uh, an English audio version as of this recording. Just throwing that out there. Uh, but I did enjoy the film, and I was going to do a um, a review of it. Unfortunately, um, the following morning, Emily had to get up and go to work, and you guys know that whenever she has to get up early, I wait for her to leave to do my podcast because I don't want her to come out of the room and you know interrupt it, and you can hear like the background noise and all of that kind of stuff. So I was waiting on her to leave. And she woke up at about 8.30. She was going to leave to go to work at about 9, 9.30, something like that. And our cat, uh, Hyde, he's a, uh, he's a Maine Coon. And he's been having some medical issues here lately. We've been having, you know, he's an older cat. He's probably about eight, nine years old. And we would have to bring him to the vet. Like, he would have urinary tract issues. And he would be having some digestive issues and stuff like that. And so we'd been having to bring him to the vet a little bit more often than all of that. And the last time we took him, they gave us some medication to give him to ease him. Like, I, I don't know, like a lot of the stuff behind it. Like one thing was they said in his bladder, he had like crystals or something that had formed inside of his bladder. And that was causing some discomfort. I guess that's the equivalent of like, you know, kitty cat uh, kidney stones or something. I'm not entirely sure, but they had give us some medicine that could break those crystals up and cause him, you know, some relief to the discomfort and the pain that he was going through. And so, you know, he was just lounging around. He was just acting normal, doing his own thing and all of that. And so I picked him up and like, Hey, let's, uh, let's give him some medicine. So I was going to hold him and Emily was going to, it's in two syringes that you inject into his mouth. Um, like some liquid medication for him to drink. And so I was holding him and Emily squirted the first one in there. Everything went fine squirted the second one in there and everything was kind of fine. And then he just started spazzing out. I mean, bad spazzing out convulsing in my hands. Um, his bowels released and he peed all over me. Um, he started foaming at the mouth. Like he was, he was having a hard time breathing like his breathing got very, very shallow. And so, you know, me, me and Emily are 
pretty much was like, okay, something is terribly wrong. We need to bring him to an emergency vet. So we brought him to the vet and they took him, they took him into the back and we sat there for a little while. Eventually Emily had to leave to go to work. And so I was just there by myself. They kept him in the back for probably about two and a half or three hours. And at one point, one of the nurses, I guess, I guess you'd call it like one of the vets came out and I asked like, Hey, how's he doing? And all that kind of stuff. And she told me he was doing fine, that he was stabilized. Everything's good and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, okay, good. We're, we're about to be over this. You know, they're gonna bring him out here in a minute and I'm going to pay for everything that they did, get whatever medication or whatever they gave us and, you know, bring him back home. Well, then next thing I know, the doctor comes out and he calls the pet's name, Hyde. So I stood up and he brought me into a room, just me and him. And I was like, what's up? And he said, Hyde's not doing good. And I just looked at him and I was like, that's not what she told me out there. She, She told me he was fine, that everything was good. And that he was, he was doing pretty good. And the doctor flat out was like, I, the only thing I can figure is that she may have told you that trying to comfort you, or maybe she didn't know the full extent of what was going on. And, you know, I'm not gonna lie. It kind of ticked me off, you know, whenever you, you you ask how your pet's doing in an emergency vet and you're told, Oh, everything's fine. It's good. He's doing good. Everything's wonderful. And then you talk to the doctor and he's like, no, this is, this is bad. And so I was like, well, what's going on? So tell, tell me about it. What, what, what's going on? And, uh, Hyde was anemic and you know, natural. I'm like, well, what, what does that mean? Like what, what's going on? And basically he said that something was killing his red blood cells and they didn't know what it was. And they broke it down like into like percentages or something like that. They said that whenever whenever an animal, like for their red blood cell count, if your animal had like 100 to like 85% of their red blood cells, like they're, they're good. From like 84 to like, 65% or something like that. That's whenever they need to administer like some type of medication to try and help or something like that. And if it's like 64 or lower, they need a blood transfusion. And so I said, well, what was Hyde at? And he said, Hyde was at an eight. Eight. You heard that correctly. The number right after seven. Like very, very low. And he said he needs a blood transfusion. And I was like, you know, so naturally I'm like, oh my God, you know, like this is not good, you know? And so anytime you're dealing with a situation like this, you don't want this to be like at the forefront of your brain, but especially with today's day and age with how expensive everything is and inflation is running rampant and all of that kind of stuff, you you know, you can't help, but, but actually ask and be like, this is something I need to think about. I said, how much is this going to cost? Like what you've already done today, doing the blood transfusion, what happens after, like what, what kind of bill am I looking at here? And he pretty much told me that with everything that they've done, then they would do the blood transfusion 
but then they would have to run more tests to make sure everything's good with um, the blood transfusion. But keep in mind that something is killing his red blood cells. We don't know what it is, so we'd have to run even more tests to find out what it is that's killing his red blood cells. And since they were just an emergency vet, the next day we would have to transfer Hyde to our regular vet. They would have to run some tests. They would have to administer like medical procedures and medication and all of that kind of stuff and everything. And he said, after all of that was said and done, he said, at the time of doing everything, like when at the moment Hyde would be transferred to our regular vet, like everything would have what all they did at the emergency vet, the bill would be, you know, due and we would have to pay it. And he flat out told me, he said, you're looking at a bill of about $1,500. And he said, that's just with us, with what we've done which then the regular vet is going to do their own tests, their own procedures, their own. He said, you might be looking at a bill of equal to or higher value after everything is said and done there. He said, so you're honestly all together, you'd be looking at a bill of about $3,000 in about the next two or three days. And unfortunately, you know, vets don't do payment plans. They don't do... Oh, we'll send you a bill and, you know, we'll take care of this one month at a time. Vets are very much like, this is what we did. This is your bill. Pay us now. And unfortunately, uh, Emily and I could not swing that kind of a bill. And I told him that. I said, we're not going to be able to do that. Like, we just, we, 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 we can't. We could have done... Every bit of cash, every debit card, every credit card, we would not have been able to cover a spontaneous $3,000 bill that just popped up out of nowhere. And I said, what other options do we have? And he flat out told me, he said, his red blood cells are so low, he likely will not make it through the night. And if he does make it through the night... He very, 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 very likely will not make it past tomorrow. He said, so if you cannot pay for this, if you cannot afford to get everything done, because, you know, keep in mind, he said that after they did everything, they wouldn't even sure if all of that would fix him. Sometimes medical procedures happen or medical issues happen to where, like, no matter what amount of medicine that you need, and all that kind of stuff, it may not have actually fixed him. He's, he also told me that they might just be able to do something to kind of stabilize him here and there, but then we would still have to, about every month and a half or two months, bring him back to the vet to get another blood transfusion. And it could be like that for the rest of his life. And we just could not swing that. And he said, if you can't swing it, he said, honestly, he said the best option would be to to put him down. And, you know, naturally, that's not what you want to hear when it comes to dealing with uh, your pet, your fur babies. And so I called Emily because, you know, like I said, she had already gone to work and I called her, pretty much explained the whole situation to her. And I, I, I knew what we had to do. I just wanted to confirm it with her. 
you know, I didn't want to just call her and be like, oh, well, you know, there's no hope. I made this decision, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be coming in here to put him down any minute and everything. So, you know, sorry, you know, like I, I wanted to, to talk about it with her, even though I knew what needed to be done. And after I told her everything, she flat out said, she said, I think, you know, what we have to do. And I was like, I do. I said, I just want it to confirm it with you. And so I told her, um, if you can get somebody to cover your shift at work, I suggest you come back here so that you can be here for this. Because she had the cat. He was originally her cat. Okay. Like she and I have been together for about three and a half years. She had him for about three years prior to me getting together with her. And how she got the cat to begin with was another family that she knows had him for a number of years, two or three years. And they got tired. He, he doesn't play well with other cats. He doesn't mind dogs, but he does not like other cats. And so he, he, they got tired of him constantly getting into fights with the other cats and all of that. And so they were like, we, we, we need to rehome Hyde. And she had been over there a number of times to where she was like, I'll take him. You know, I, I really like him. I'll take him. And so she took him. And so she, she had him, she knew of him for probably five or six years, actually owned him for three or four, something like that. <clears throat> and then she and I got together and she's had him even, even longer, you know, at this time. And so he, he was her cat. And I was like, you need to be here for this. And so she got somebody to cover her shift and she came uh, the, you know, looking, trying to find the, the good in the bad was that the doctor said that he was fixing to go into a surgery and he said that he could do the procedure right then and there, but this was before Emily got there. He could do the procedure right then and there so that we could be on our way. But if he had to wait and went into the surgery, it could be an hour to an hour and a half before he would be able to come and do the procedure to have Hyde put down. And so I told him, go ahead and do your surgery. And so they let me stay in the room. They brought Hyde to me. Uh, he couldn't hardly walk. You know, we had him. He was all bundled up in some towels and all that. And I got to hold him. And then Emily showed up. And, you know, we got to spend about an hour or so with him. Kind of coming to terms with the fact that, you know, this was it. And... We cuddled with him, we shared memories with him, and, you know, we cried together, and, you know, we gave him the best life that we could have possibly given him, and the cat didn't want for nothing, you know, he was, he was a little bit on the heavier side, so, you know, you know, he, he got, he, he ate plenty, um, strictly an inside cat, so never went outside, never had to deal with the elements or anything like that. Like he, we gave him the best life that we possibly could. And then the doctor came in and he did the procedure. And then we were in there by ourselves with him. And, you know, we, we brought him out, brought him home, uh, buried him by one of our, uh, uh, flower bushes. <clears throat> And, you know, we, uh, we said our goodbyes and it's been tough, you know, like, um, it's been really tough. Like I, I, I told Emily about a day or two after it happened, I said, you know, it's unreal 
that this this house that we're in it's you know it's a brick house and this house that we're in it's me it's her and it's four dogs i said it's unreal how empty this house can feel just with the absence of one cat like him no longer zigzagging through your legs as you're walking down the hallway and you know, when I'm sitting here in my chair early in the morning drinking coffee and watching YouTube when I'm off work and he's not jumping in my lap and trying to headbutt my coffee, spilling coffee all over my chest and all of that because he does it so quickly. You know, at the time I wanted to grab him by his tail and sling him across the room because, I mean, I don't know how many of you have ever had hot coffee spilt on you before. Very, very fresh hot coffee. It doesn't tickle. And so, yeah, there were times I was, I was ready. I was like, I'm going to get you and, <laughs> you know, and, and all of that. But now, like, I would love nothing more than for that cat to spill some coffee on me. I had it really tough about four or five days ago because sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, like, you know, anywhere between like 1.30 or 2.30 and I can't go back to sleep. And so I would come into the front room and watch TV until it was time for me to go to work. And every time I would come around the corner and turn on the light, he would be asleep in my recliner. And I would come over and, you know, pick him up. I'd sit down in the chair. I'd recline back. I'd put him on my chest. A lot of times he just went right back to sleep uh, on my chest. And there were times that he decided, oh, it's playtime, you know, and he'd be biting my arms and all that stuff and it was very much a, 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 just me and him like bonding time that we had. And all of this happened on like a Sunday that we had to have him put down early Wednesday morning. I woke up and whenever I walked around the corner and clicked on the light, you know, my brain was fully expecting to see him sitting in my chair and he wasn't there. And it got very lonely sitting in this chair watching TV without him curled up next to me or biting on my hands and all that kind of stuff. And we're still trying to get adjusted to it. There's still things like I'll round the corner and there were certain places that he liked to be perched up on. Like he loved to just be perched up on um, the windowsill. And there were so many times I would get home from work, I'd get out of my truck and I'd look and I could see him through the window and I would stop and like tap the window with my finger and he would be trying to catch my finger through the glass. And it's been very odd to come home and not see him on the window. Uh, when you walk into the washroom, like where we have like the washer and dryer and all of that, he would always be perched up on, on top of the dryer. It's very strange to go to the dryer to do a load of laundry and he's not there. Um, we still have a lot of his, his food. Now, mind you, it was, it was a more expensive type food. It was for like urinary tract health. It's not prescribed or anything. It was just like, you know, like Purina one, um, like better health type food and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, any, any cat can really eat it. And you guys know that I do feed the outside cats around here. Um, there, there's one, his name is Battle Cat and he's really cool. I, I like that cat and. So, you know, we, we have some of that special food and we're going to slowly feed that to them. Uh, I've taken his food bowl 
and I'm putting it up on a shelf, you know, because it was just his food bowl. I don't, I don't want any, 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 any other animal to, to eat out of it anytime soon, you know, and <clears throat> you know, it's just, it's been tough. I'm still very emotional about it. Um, you know, I'm man enough to admit I've cried my eyes out over that cat numerous times. I've always gotten very attached to animals. You know, I've told Emily before, and it's a very odd thing that happens with me, you know, because I've had, there's been people very close to me in my life that has passed away. Uh, uncles, uh, aunts, a few cousins, three grandparents. I've been to all their funerals. I've never shed a tear. It's like I, I handle the death of people differently than how I handle the death of my pets. And it's, it's just, it's an odd thing. It, I've had, I've had cats. Um, there was a kitten outside. This has probably been about two or three months ago that, um, it was a decent age. I'd never seen it before. I don't know if the mom abandoned it or if it just got lost and was wandering around. But early one morning I woke up and I came out the front door to smoke a cigarette and, uh, it was laying, laid out, you know, there were ants starting to crawl on it and all that stuff. And I'd never seen the kitten before. I didn't know where it come from. So I got the ants off of it. You know, I wrapped it up. It's hot outside. So I brought it inside <clears throat> to get it out of the heat you know, to where it could be around some AC, uh, ran to the store real quick, got some kitten formula because it had teeth, but you could tell that it was still young enough to where, uh, you know, it needed mother's milk and all of that. And I gave it some formula and, you know, I don't know what all was wrong with it, but it, um, probably about an hour after I found it, it, uh, it died. And I cried for that little cat. I knew of its existence for only an hour, and it hit me hard. I do not handle the death of animals very well. I just don't. And Hyde is absolutely going to be missed. He's one of the best cats I've ever, I've ever owned. I made a big post on my, um, my personal Facebook page and changed my, uh, my profile picture to a picture of him. You know, he's going to be missed. I loved that cat. And so that's, that's one thing that has happened, uh, in the last week. Now, something else that has happened, let's move on to something work related. Um, I don't know if you guys keep up with the news or anything, but, uh, you guys know, I live in Louisiana. Louisiana is having a tough time right now. And we're having a tough time because we are in, uh, Probably the most severe drought that I can remember in my lifetime. And I'm 36 years old. And I've got a co-worker that uh, he's close to 60. And whenever I told him, I was like, I don't remember a time it's ever been this bad. He said, he's, he said, Michael, I'm close to 60 years old. He said, I don't remember a time it's been this bad. We have not gotten a drop of rain in Louisiana in about two months record heat wave. Um, we had a streak 
you know, like the actual temperature, not the heat index. Uh, for you Yankees, for the heat index, the heat index takes like uh, humidity and all of that kind of stuff into account. And like literally, we'll sit there and be like, well, the actual temperature of what it is right now is like 97 but because of the humidity levels and all of that kind of stuff, it legitimately feels like it's like 117 or something like that, you know? And um, uh, for work, I have an app that uh, OSHA actually does that takes into account like the humidity and all of that kind of stuff. I think it's just simply called heat index. And I have to monitor that on a daily basis and fill out like a, um, a heat awareness form and all of that for work and... Like, well, it's going to be such and such temperature, so this is how much water you need to intake. And, you know, if it's above a certain temperature, like, you can only work outside for a certain amount of time. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some of it is kind of ridiculous. I mean, there's one thing where it's like if the heat index is at least 112, if you work outside for 30 minutes, you have to come in and cool down for 30 minutes. And I'm just like, you know, I've, I've lived down here in Louisiana my whole life. I've dealt with heat before and all of that. Like, you're not going to get anything done throughout the day. So we, we don't monitor that as closely as OSHA wants us to, but we do pay attention to, like, the water intake and all of that kind of stuff. But um, the actual temperature has consistently been, like, in the upper 90s. We're talking, like, 98, 99, something like that. And the heat index has consistently been at least 109 up to, like, 119 or something like that. And... <clears throat> We had a streak that was going on that it was 22 days in a row where the actual temperature was over 100. Not at 100, over 100. So at least 101. And down here in Louisiana, you can pretty much expect that if the actual temperature is one thing, add about another 12 degrees and that's 12 to 15 degrees and that's what the heat index is. So there were days that like the heat, the actual temperature would be like 105. The heat index would be like 120, 121, or something like that. Very, very hot. And you combine this very, very hot weather, this very, very dry weather, with the fact that we have not gotten a drop of rain in about two months. Like, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. And there is a statewide burn ban that's in effect here in Louisiana because like I've seen videos there's places in Louisiana and there's places in Texas too Texas my Texas listeners you guys know what what we're going through you guys are going through it as well um there's been videos I've seen of people in like from uh front door security cameras or something like that in Texas and Louisiana where people's grass is spontaneously combusting like there's no, it's just there. It's the fact that it's so hot and it's so dry. You'll be watching the footage and the grass will literally just catch on fire. Like that, that's how bad it is right now. So, you know, I've been like every day I go outside with a water hose and I spray my grass down to try and just give them, give it something just so it's not so dry and all of that. But there's a statewide burn ban in effect. Um, it's bad enough to where. Uh, there's been certain trucks that have pulled off on the side of the road and parked over on grass and just the heat coming off from the truck being over the grass has called the, caused the grass to catch on fire and people have lost their vehicles. 
there are currently about six or seven wildfires going on all over the state. Some of which, now I live in the city, I live in Alexandria. There's not a whole lot of trees and things like that. So, you know, I'm not too worried about myself, but I have family members that, you know, I grew up in a place called Heinston that is surrounded by the forest. Like, and some fires are very, very close to them. Some fires are very, very close to me. There's a, there's a couple of wildfires. That I could hop in the vehicle and just start driving. I could be at the wildfire where it is in like 20, 25 minutes. It's very close. And as a result, you know, you guys know that I work for a utility company. Uh, I've talked about that before. So everyone with the utility company has been put on standby as of this past Thursday. And what that basically means is that even though we're not at work, we have to be ready and prepared to mobilize at any time. Because if the fire comes through, knocks out, like burns down like light poles and wipes out the wire and all of that kind of stuff, it could potentially put thousands of people without power. And after the fire would go through, the linemen would have to go in and like replace the poles, replace the transformers and the wire and all of that. Since I work in the warehouse for this company, they come and get it all from my location where I'm at. So I would have to be at work to supply them with all of this stuff, you understand. So <clears throat> we're all on standby, just in case it hits any of the areas that we service or anything like that. So even though this is my long weekend, I was off yesterday and I'm off today, tomorrow and Monday. Uh, can't go anywhere. Uh, I already don't drink, but not allowed to drink. Um, you know, we, we have to be home and be ready just in case the call happens. And so that's, you know, that's made for a pretty boring weekend, but at the same time, it's like, it's, it's worth it. You know, there's people out there that's losing everything that they've got. There's acres upon acres that's being burnt up. People are losing their homes. They're losing their vehicles. There's, you know, you can get on TikTok or Facebook or something, just type in like Louisiana fires and you can just see the amount of devastation that they are causing. And luckily they're, they're being able to keep some of the fires contained. Some of them are not contained. Uh, but luckily we're starting to get some rain chances. Like, I know I said we hadn't had a drop of rain in two months, but as of yesterday, at the time of this recording, in Sabine Parish, there was like, uh, I saw on radar that they were talking about there was a thunderstorm that just popped up out of nowhere. And Sabine Parish is one of the places that a wildfire is currently raging. So that rain tremendously helped them, I would imagine. I haven't looked into it to see if it helped uh, put anything out or if it was even in an area where a wildfire was occurring or anything like that. But we do have rain forecasted to hit us in about another five or six days. And let me tell you, we could not, it could not be a, a better time for that rain to come. Because Louisiana is on fire. And we need us some good rain. I joked with one of my relatives, I can't remember who it was, I think it was my brother where we've gone so long without rain, without, I said, I'm to the point where I'll take a hurricane at this point just to get some rain in here. And the sad part is, is like, you know, Louisianians, we deal with hurricanes. We don't like hurricanes. We don't want hurricanes to come by. But after I said that, they were like, oh yeah, me too. 
bring on a hurricane just to get some rain to get something so that's that's something else that i'm going through currently and all of that and so now let's talk about the good news something good that is happening and all of that um i know i've made this announcement on my personal facebook i honestly can't remember if i talked about this on the last episode or not so if i did you know it's just going to be a rehash of the same news but uh, if I didn't, you know, because I just, I really can't remember and I'm not going back to listen to that, to that episode. But um, the reason I have been, the hiatus has been going on for about the last month and a half or two months or something like that. And I haven't been posting as much or anything is because uh, things have just been getting busier in my life and all of that. Because Emily and I are preparing our house because there's about to be a new member in our house. We are expecting our first child. I'm going to be a dad. Yep, that's right. You heard it here. Cal the Kaiju guy is about to have a Cal the Kaiju kid. And so we're super pumped. We're excited. We're ready. You know, like we're we're ready to go. Emily has just been a delight. You know, can you hint, sense the sarcasm in my voice? You know, her hormones are raging like there's no tomorrow. And, um, you know, she has good days and bad days. She's constantly feeling sick constantly feeling nauseous and all of that kind of stuff and i'm doing the best that i can to try and help her out but i mean there's 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 nothing there's nothing i can do you know it's unfortunately when it comes to the morning sickness and all of that which it does not just last in the morning i'll tell you that that is very inappropriately named uh it lasts 24 7 i'll have you know um there, there's nothing you can really do about that other than let it let it run its course I mean, there are certain things that you can eat and drink that kind of help it. Like Emily has found that uh, she can eat a lot of fruit and fruit helps her out a little bit. And as far as drinking, uh, ginger ale, like she can drink ginger ale all day long. The only problem is she only feels better when she's drinking the ginger ale. As she's drinking it, she feels fine. The moment she's done with that can, about two or three minutes later, she goes back to feeling nauseous again. And, you know, she can't just sit here and just drink Canada Dry 24-7, you know what I mean? So, you know, she I feel terrible for her for going through this and all of that. And, you know, she, uh, we haven't been cooking a lot. We've been, uh, I've just been, you know, she, she eats a lot of soup. Uh, she eats a lot of fruit, like I said. And so I'm kind of fending for myself. At one point, she was like, what do you want me to cook you for dinner? And I said, the heck with that. Like, you're not, you're, you're pregnant. Like, how, how am I going to get you to cook me something for dinner and then you're going to turn around and eat chicken noodle soup? You know, like, I got this. Like, I was a bachelor for a very long time. I know how to survive. So I've gone back to my roots, okay? Ramen noodles, hot dogs, corn dogs, little microwavable meals, cereal, you know, things like that. I'm surviving. Because she's also told me, she's like, you know, you can cook if you want because I love cooking. I love it. I love it. Do you people hear me? I love to just cook me like some double pork chops, have like mushrooms and sauteed onions on the side and some mashed taters and whip up some green beans to go with it and everything. Just a big old giant, you know, hearty meal. Like that's my kind of thing, you know, and I can do it with, with pork chops or I can do it with steak. I love grilled and baked chicken like and i can cook it like there's no doggone tomorrow i'm telling y'all right now you haven't tasted a good chili until you've till you've had old mikey's chili i'm telling you that right now i'm a good cook 
not just trying to toot my own horn. I'm pretty good at it. All right. I'm a stereotypical southerner from Louisiana. I'm very, very good at cooking. With that said, Emily loves my cooking. I'm not going to sit here and make pork chops, chili, gumbo, jambalaya, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to do all that and be eating that in front of her and she's over there sipping on the juice from a leftover Campbell's, like, soup can or something like that, you know? Because if she tries to eat anything that I cook, she's going to get sick, possibly go throw it up and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to do that. And so I told her, I was like, if you can't have like these good meals and all that kind of stuff, I'm not. And so she's been eating whatever she can to help her feel better. And I'm going through it too. I'm eating the bare minimum that I can because I don't want to like, uh, you know, the other day, poor thing. I felt so terrible. I, I heated up a microwavable dinner and it was called, um, it's done by, uh, the brand banquet. It's called a mega bowl. And it was like a fajita chicken. It's some, some kind of microwavable Mexican thing or whatever. And so I heated that up and it smelled very good. And she already had her dinner for that night. It was just like a can of soup. And she could smell what I was heating up in the kitchen. And she's like, hey, what are you making in there? And so I told her, and she's like, that smells pretty awesome. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites and all that. And so I came and sat down, and she wanted to try it. She's like, let me, let me try that. And I said, okay. So I let her have a bite. And she's like, oh, my God, that is so good and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I would eat some, and then she would ask for another bite. And I gave her, I gave her like three bites. After she took that third bite, boy, it hit her. Paused the show. Off she went to the bathroom and, you know, started, started throwing up. And I was just like, I can't even eat a microwavable meal without this poor thing smelling it, wanting to try it, and then getting sick because of it. And, you know, I mean, like, it's, it's rough. It's, it's rough for her. Like, you know, it's, it's not bad. You know, like some, some guys will want to sit there and be like, oh yeah, well we have to deal with them and their whole life. Look, 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 what I'm dealing with out of her is nothing compared to how she's feeling. I told her the other day, I said, you were such a freaking champion for going through this day in and day out. I said, I don't know very many men that could go, you know, three or four months like you've done feeling absolutely sick to your stomach and like you were about to vomit 24-7 and not just break down. Like, she has handled this like a champion. Do y'all hear me? And she does not listen to this podcast. I'm going to tell you all that right now. She does not. So I'm not saying this for her benefit, for her to listen to it eventually and be like, that's so sweet. She's probably never going to hear me say any of this to y'all. I tell her this on, on nearly a daily basis, just trying to give her confidence and, you know, like, you're doing good. You're doing good, champ. I've been calling her champ a lot. You're like, you're the freaking champion. You know, like, like you're doing good. Like, everything's okay. So, to any of my listeners, uh, to, uh, like, to you to you husbands or anything, or whatever type of, type of relationship you have, you know, if, um, if you've got, like, a surrogate or something like that, you know, just whatever. If you know someone, a woman, that is going through pregnancy and everything, li- lift them up. They, they are doing a a wonderful 
I almost cussed. Like, you know, I've told, I've told you, uh, they, like they, they are doing a, a bad, uh, a bad butt thing, you know, being able to do what they're doing. That's just all it is to it, you know? Like, so prop them up, give them their props, tell them how well they're doing you know, reassure them and all of that kind of stuff. They're doing one of the most amazing things that there is to do. They are literally growing another human being inside of them. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty great. And so, you know, that's, that's why I've been on such a hiatus here lately, like for the most part, you know, because Emily is uh, going on four months along <clears throat> and we're trying to get the house ready and all of that kind of stuff. Um, we can find out at this point in time if it's going to be a boy or a girl. But we're waiting just a little bit longer. Naturally, I'm hoping for a boy. She's hoping for a girl. Um, you know, I'll, I will. Both of us will be cool with whichever one it's going to end up being. You know, we we do not care. We will love it regardless. And like, but you know, naturally, you you want like a little mini you. And all of that. Because I've already told her. I said I got to have me a little boy. Got to have me a little boy. And you know I'll tell her. I'm like I'm going to get this kid. And everything that I was into whenever I was a kid. You know once they're old enough to be able to appreciate certain things. I'm like this kid's going to be. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. G.I. Joe. Transformers. Superman. DC Comics in general. And all that kind of stuff. Like Godzilla. King Kong. You know, like, I mean, this kid, like, the same shows that I used to watch, like the original 80s He-Man show and all that kind of stuff, I've got all of that on DVD. I'm ready to go. Like, we're going to have a grand old time. Looking forward to it. And then here comes Emily. She wants to have her little mini-me, you know, and dress her up all nice into nice little outfits and all of that kind of stuff and everything. And, you know, like, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. We really, really are. Um, we're not going to try and force anything on the kid, you know, cause we might have a little girl and I've told Emily, I was like, you never know. We might have a little girl and you want her to be this nice little, this little princess and everything. And she might be wanting to go out there and wallow around in the mud and, and fight the boys that mess with her at school and all that. You might have, might have us a little tomboy. You never know. And all that kind of stuff, you know? So, so just, just be prepared. We might have a son that doesn't give a hoot about, you know, um, things like He-Man and Transformers and all that, like might be one of those kids that just loves to, to read and is not too big into books and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's like, like we, we want the kid to be a certain way, you know, like not really just to be a certain way, but you know, you know what I mean, but you know, eventually the kid's going to kind of start to delve off and form their own identity. And we're going to have to go along with that and all of that stuff, you know? So, yeah, it's uh, it's very exciting. We've been getting the house ready and all of that because Emily and I are flea marketers. Uh, she she works at a flea market as well as she has a booth at the flea market. We are the type of people that drive around sometimes on the weekends and we find furniture that people have discarded. We load that up in my truck. We bring it back to the house. We, you know, we strip it down. We repaint it. We replace, you know, drawers and all that kind of stuff. You know, find something on the road for free, drop about 50 or 60 bucks into it to get it all nice fixed up and everything. And then turn around and bring it to the flea market and sell it for $250. We've, we've been doing that for a good while, you know, but we had a bunch of projects going on 
at pretty much the same time and all of that. And so all of that's been put on hold and we've been really trying to get rid of a lot of the stuff that we have now uh, so that we can focus on, you know, becoming parents and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's always been a room, the house that we live in, the people that lived here before, they had a little girl and the room that they have, uh, they painted the walls pink and we've always just called it the pink room. Just because you walk in, it's just like, bow! It's like you just walk into, like, a Barbie world or something like that, you know? <laughs> like, it's just, it's pink. Everything is pink and all that. So we just call it the pink room. That's going to be where, you know, the kids' room is. And I told her, I said, well, you know, um, I said, the pink room might have to become a blue room or something like that, you know? Or, you know, we've talked about potentially painting it like a, a gender-neutral color or something like that. You know, we haven't decided yet, but... Uh, if it's going to be a little girl, we're probably just going to leave it at pink and um, and all that. But we, we may change it up and all of that. So we've been getting ready for that. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing and all of that, you know. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much what's been going on with me, guys. That's why uh, I've been so quiet because I'm, I'm mentally preparing myself for uh, the greatest adventure that I'm ever going to go on in my life, becoming a dad. And, uh, you know, I've kind of been here before, uh, the, the girl that I was with before Emily, I was with her for about two years. And then I went on a hiatus of dating for about three years after this, she had, um, a little boy and, you know, she and I, you know, uh, stayed together and I've, so I've kind of already gone through the dad thing. Like I'm not, I, when we got together, the kid was like four and whenever we broke up and went our separate ways, because uh she was a babylonian and uh certain people will be able to figure that out <laughs> but uh others not so much but uh yeah she was a babylonian so we went our separate ways and i've never seen that kid again i was essentially that you know the kid was calling me dad and i introduced him as my son you know and all of that kind of stuff and you know do that for two and a half or three years and all that like and then all of a sudden it's ripped away from you like it, it's tough so, like, I've, I've already kind of been there. I've kind of been in those shoes. This is going to be my first time dealing with a newborn and all of that. But, um, you know, I got, to, I got to be somewhat of a father to a kid in a, in a good age, you know, talking like four to six or seven, you know, something like that. It was a good age. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. And I've missed it. And I miss that kid to this day. I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but um, I, I think about that kid almost on a daily basis. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's just it's just how life goes sometimes and all that. But yeah, so that's what's been going on with me. We're preparing the house. We're preparing our minds, our mentalities, and all that kind of stuff. We're pumped. We're ready. We're looking forward to it and all of that kind of stuff. And so I just wanted to finally, you know, we made the announcement, the official announcement about a week and a half, two weeks ago. On Facebook, we told everybody in person we wanted to tell, and then we posted about it on Facebook. That's why I said I didn't want to talk about it on the podcast here, because I don't know who all listens to this. You might have somebody that's a good friend of Emily that listens to this podcast that I'm just unaware of, and because they all know I have a podcast, but I don't know how often they listen to it, and I didn't want them, you know, for me just to get on here and be like, hey, me and my wife are expecting a child, and then, you know, she'd be calling Emily, like, Really? Like, I'm, I'm, I've been your best friend for seven years. This is how I find out that, that you're having a child on your husband's podcast. You know, like, so we wanted to wait until certain people were told in person and then do the actual announcement 
on Facebook and let some time go beyond that. And then I will talk about it on here. So that's what's been going on. That's why I've been so busy. That's why I've been, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. We've been trying to get a lot of the projects that we've been working on for the flea market out of here, getting the house ready and prepared and all of that kind of stuff. And visiting with family members like there's no doggone tomorrow because you know every one of them is like you know every every don't get me wrong i very much want to to have some advice to walk into this and everything i am lucky in the fact that for about a good four years emily was a professional nanny yeah and she still like does some nannying on the side and she specializes in newborns like when she and I first started dating, her full-time gig was being a full-time nanny for a wealthy family for newborn twins. And she started with these twins whenever they were about two or three months old. And she watched those kids, was their nanny, like five, six days out of the week until they were about three or four years old. And they eventually moved away. And so then she decided to do other career opportunities, but she still does nannying on the side. So Emily is like, you know, she's ready to go. You know, she's like, I got this, you know what I mean? But I've also told her that, you know, it's still going to be a culture shock because I told her, I said, always keep in mind that whenever you were a nanny and them kids were being fussy and everything else that you could just sit there and be like, Man, I cannot wait for seven o'clock for mom to come home. And then as soon as that mom would walk through the door, here you go, here's your kid. See you in the morning. And boom, she was gone and everything. I said, that's not going to exist anymore. <laughs> like, you know, you, you don't clock out whenever you're a parent. You, you just, you don't, you know, I've, I've somewhat been there. And you just, you don't, like, you never clock out. Yeah, you can have some relaxing time and all of that, like the kids playing in their room or, you know, they're they're watching a movie or something like that, and you can kind of do your own thing. But at the same time, if something happens, boom, you're needed. You're, good, you're on constant, 24-7, on call. You know what I mean? So I told her, I said, just prepare yourself for that. So that's what we've been getting ready for. Uh, we're super excited about it. Can't wait to um, to delve into this this new adventure of our lives and all of that kind of stuff. And naturally I'm going to keep you guys posted, uh, you know, letting you know how everything's going and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, but alrighty guys, that pretty much does it. Um, if everything goes according to plan, if I don't get called out on account of work, I do plan on doing my official review of Shin Kamen Rider tomorrow at the time of this recording. So be on the lookout for that. It will be a positive review. Just going ahead and throwing that out there. And if you do want to watch it, again, it is streaming on Prime Video. So go check it out. It's only the subtitled version, so you will have to watch it in Japanese and read along with what's going on. But it's a good film. Um, I'm going to be covering it tomorrow and all of that. So, alrighty, guys. Thanks for everything. Check me out on all of my social medias. On Facebook, I'm Kaiju Carnage, Godzilla slash King Kong Podcast. I have a Godzilla Ultima fan page and on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. I am Cal, the Kaiju guy. So, alrighty, guys. I'll, ch I'll catch you all tomorrow for my review of Shin Kamen Rider. We'll see you all then. This is Cal, the Kaiju guy, signing out.